There's two parts to success in the music business. Now you can either wait and pray for a Messiah. Jesus is Lord! Help me! Help me! Or you can get off your ass and do it yourself. Congratulations. Welcome to the DIY Artist Podcast. This is Barzini, and you're tuned to the DIY Artist Podcast, and I just greeted you in my native language, Igbo. Amo Igbo. I hope you can speak your own language, but that's not the point. The point is today I have a special guest. Last week I had a special, special guest, no other than Falafalayan, and we had a very interesting conversation. Thank you to all of you that have been shouting out to me on Twitter, tagging the DIY artists, you know, talking about how interesting the conversation was. Yes, I hope you learned something that even if it's not useful to you, you can teach to an artist, you know, you can say to an artist in your circle. So this week I brought another special, special, special somebody I'm talking no other than the man, Ihane Aiba. <laughs> Ihane Ahiwe is the CEO of Aboriginal Productions. Here's a fun fact. Back in the day in 2012, I used to be signed to Aboriginal Music. That's the music section of the um, company. Basically, I picked the game from Ihane. If you know Ihane in this industry, then you are an OG because Ihane is the OG of OGs. Ihane's style is unconventional. Ihane does not... He does not sugarcoat his words and he gives it to you straight. Everybody knows this. And I feel like most times in an artist's life, you know, we need that... that that level of truth and Ihana will give it to you from a place of love that's the good thing you understand so um everybody you know how it is stay cozy grab yourself a cup of coffee stay under your blanket plug your airpods and listen to the man kick knowledge the next set of voices you're going to hear is me and him unfortunately this time around i couldn't um i couldn't go with my recording equipment to get clearer um, vocals. So we had to do this over the phone, but as soon as possible, we're gonna um, figure out the way to move recording equipment to where the guests we're gonna be having on this podcast are so that we can have the clearest vocals possible, like the last one, like the last episode before that. So just bear with me. This was done over the phone. The vocals are not 100% clear, but if you listen well enough, you're gonna hear everything that was said. And yeah, let's get into it. So, peace. So, um, good afternoon, Hannah Hewey. You're welcome to the DIY Artist Podcast. Hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. So, uh, our, our, our topic today is um, why your focus shouldn't be a record deal. And in the part one, um, I sat down with Fola and we talked, we talked a lot. We talked about the um, um, artist mentality, you know, the prevalent mentality of, you know, um, artists before they get signed, how they want to be signed to record deals. And we talked about the current music business structure and how we give the upper hand to independent DIY artists, which is the focus of this podcast, you know, trying to um, spread as much information as possible that can help DIY artists in their journey get the confidence to do stuff by themselves up until they get that you know, major help that they're hoping to get. So yeah, um, the topic today is why you're focused on your record deal, and you know. Okay. Yeah, having known you for long, having known you, you, you've been a player in this industry for a while. For a while now, you've seen artists come and go, and you know it is our firm belief that the current music business sort of supports independent artists. So what do you have to say to artists that 
starting out in the in their career and are thinking of getting record deals and they are, you know big deals to land record deals. In line with the topic today, what do you have to say to artists in that category? Okay, well, um, <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure I'm the best person for this topic, but at the same time, I could be because of both sides of the situation. I've run a, I've run a record label, as you know, that has since been folded up. I've dealt with artists, I have managed artists. But uh, I think the issue is, let's have a to backtrack. There will never be a structure that suits artists because society generally is in flux and we're always chasing perfection. Okay. The reality is, whether chasing artists uh, enable or not, um, the artists have to almost misunderstand what they want for themselves okay. and to have a plan. It's also the fact that um, with the music business, there are two very, very, very competing um, impulses, creativity with thy nature, Needs to be free to respond and, and, to, and to get it best, and then business, which requires structure. So we always have that eternal comfort. Now, having said that, I also believe that artists need needs um, structure to get the best out of them, and um, labels need to relax a bit more to get the best out of their investments. To come to your point, I said at the initial stage, an artist doesn't need to have a record label, actually because artists doesn't really know what they want. Um, the reality of um, life is that most artists, about 90% of artists, are from impoverished, underprivileged backgrounds. So they require some degree of funding or support to get their work out, or as, or as you said, help. The problem, however, is that the only way to get the best help is to know the kind of help you want and to skip that step. And they, they only go from zero to 60 without understanding that you at least engage in a predominant first. So I would, I would say the very first thing for artists would be to understand themselves, to discover quickly they have a market, and then put the things in place that will enable them if and when they get a label deal, whatever structural label deal that is, to maximize that new relationship. Okay. Okay, um, um, I'm going to ask because I think it's very important for our listeners to know from your perspective, having been a label owner, you know, you've managed artists as well. What is that? Failed label owner. Get that right. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a debate for, that's a debate for that day. I think you're one of the most successful record label owners I've ever had to encounter. But like I said, that's a conversation for that day. But yeah, um, um, from the perspective of a label owner that has worked with artists on, on that investment, you know, level, what, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of mentality are you looking for in the artist that you that you hope that you hope to sign? What's your ideal artist to sign? That is a trick question of life, guys. You, you know that any answer I give right now will either have you laughing or have you. Yeah, yeah, you have the opportunity to educate a generation of. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, okay, so here's the truth. Um, I would say, it, for me, especially. Specifically, I always want a balance between um, creativity and willingness to adapt and thrive in structure because it's a willingness to adapt and thrive. That's adapt and thrive in structure. 
it's like anything in life. Um, what's the whole thing? If you want to go fast, go alone. Mm. If you want to go far, go together. The most successful artists in the world, the most successful individuals in the world, are those who are able to build, sustain, and leverage relationships. Mm. That's the story of human endeavor. We are social creatures for a reason. So no artist can make it without a label. You can say, I am my own label. Yes, but most artists can't run the label themselves. You still need your advisors, your lawyers, your accountants, your A&R people. So I think a big mistake a lot of people make it is saying, I don't need to work for somebody else. I'll do myself. And you still need a structure. And, and that's the key thing. I the level of structure. But to come back to your point about what kind of artist would I sign? I would say, well, um, a, a maverick artist with common sense. A what? A maverick with common sense. A maverick with common sense. Define common sense. Common yes. sense is not so common these days. Define common sense okay, yes. okay. and the so structure. I think the best artists in the world are the ones who are truly in love with and beholden to their craft. Who are about the music choice, the art choice, the film choice. But the great artists are the ones who, with, with that gift, know that they require structure, support, advice. And also that when they have issues pertaining to difficulties, they can put aside ego, emotions, and work. Again, it's, it's, like, it's like a marriage, it's like having a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You will never always be right. You always believe that you know best for yourself. But your partner, and that's what, what, what the artist-label relationship should be. It's a partnership. And a senior or junior partnership, depending on the incident at hand, with regards to the creativity, the artist is a senior partner because it's their gift. They create. With regards to the structure and communication in certain areas, the label should take precedence because those structures are in place to get the best out of the artists. So the markets are the ones that are the best. But also often, a lot of artists, like a lot of people, are too driven by or fall victim to lack of impulse control. They want it all now. They want it. They want the, the rewards of the gift that God has given them, which is nice. Okay. So they miss the steps along the way. So... Yes, imagine common sense, this man. You mentioned something. You said, um, um, initially you said the problem with artists, and then you said you know, the problem with the law of people. So I want us to draw the line. Is this an artist problem? Is it a creative people problem, or is it a general problem, or is it a young people problem? I want to know. Okay. So, I, again, I said at the beginning, a lot of artists come from underprivileged backgrounds. And once you understand that, you understand that their reality, their take on reality is different from somebody who comes from either a silver school background or a middle class background or a shocking background. A lot of artists come from situations where both parents, if they're lucky or the one parent looking after them, are hustling around the clock and love them but also busting their asses to get food on the table. So for the artists, their gift is a real coping with that environment. Artists are also Inevitably, and it's very, very key to them. I won't say selfish, but self-focused. Because whatever they have, that artistry is what gets them out of the reality of their world. Now, people, now, it's, it's a thing that, again, most people who run the local background artists, they have an affinity for it, they have a love for it, because they can't truly relate. Because they're from different perspectives, assigned by necessity. So if one artist thinks, at times, like everybody else in the industry, parents, 
professionals, blah, blah, blah. It's easy to draw a line and say, because you're an artist or it's because you're a creative. Every human being has a dynamic. Men and women are different. Men and men are different. Human beings are different. At, at our core, we all want the best for ourselves. We all fight for our best interest based on our interpretation at the moment. But the most successful human beings are the ones that are able to step back, look at the situation, and say, look, is this the right way to go about it? And maybe should I push back on my own personal situation and personal desires to get the best out of the bigger picture? It's not an artistic thing. It's easy to say artist. I have, um, I have been very guilty, and I'm guilty of saying it. But the reality is that it's, it's, it's human relationship. That's why I said you want that balance. It's a partnership between artists and, and structure. Of course, in Nigeria, the problem is that things are worse because we have a very, very inadequate, inefficient, incomplete economic, social, political, and infrastructural system, which makes things even worse and pushes people almost into a desperation. Mm. So I must get this because I have a short time to blow, I have a short time to provide for my family, I have a short time to get people's attention, blah, 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 blah. But the key issues between artists and structure, as issues with human beings and any level of quote-unquote regulation. Okay. Um, um, having known you for a while, you're somebody that, you're a big fan of structure and also um, I, I know it has a lot to do with the fact that you're a lawyer and this is something I respect about you. And thank you for, you know, instilling the need for structure in my life. But I want to ask, I want to ask two questions. One, what is the ideal liberal structure from your perspective? What is the ideal liberal structure? <laughs> um, okay, so I refer to myself as having been a show businessman, but one of the things I think I have gotten from the music industry that I consider successfully is the appraisal that works. I think a reappraisal of what might work. A reappraisal of what might work. Yes, and what doesn't work. I think the very first thing in any strength should be besides the label person, an ANR or an artist relations person that can sit down with the artist and have that conversation with the artist and their team to be very clear on what the artist wants and what the label wants. Okay, so a bridge between and to also an artist. It's not just a bridge, it's a clarification, uh, because people or whatever you call them are the nearest people to the music on, and to the structure on, on both sides. Okay. Even our guy that knows what's popping, what's coming, or who the next big thing could be for the turns up. It's also the one that can tell the artists, this is where we're going. Now, I say this because artists tend to have their own managers and their, and their team managers, and they don't have their structures. But the intermediary, to me, has to be a an insider on both sides. So when you have that meeting between a collector, between the artist and the label, you can have a conversation. And that insider must be trusted enough by both sides so they can have the best deal. That's the first thing I'll say. But I think labels definitely need competent, competent, educated, experienced, competence is very important, educated, experienced, and balanced ANRP. Uh, balanced in the sense that they can, they can speak to the artist on their level. And to the label on their level because there's something that I heard from a meeting um, I was party to involving an international label. The best thing for the label is the artist's happiness and to give the artist what he or she needs. 
The problem, however, is that a lot of times the artist and the label mistake what the artist needs with what the artist wants. So you need those people in between that can say, look, I know you, I know that this is what you want me to do right now, but guys, go. This is not working. Now the same thing in the conversation between the artist and the label, this is my next point. There needs to be in conversations the opportunity for artists to grow into label owners. That was one thing I that is one thing I regret most about my time in this. And then I got to the point where my artists could sit at the table and understand that perspective. Because only by creating proper structural advancements in the creative industry can you extend it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to speak largely theoretically because I don't want to call people in the industry and because then everyone can just it's for everyone to sort of limit it to that person's experience. But again, look around the most successful people, artists, are the ones who have been able to rise to positions of power, influence, and entrepreneurship benefits. Because then they can impact other people to say, look, this thing is a career. This thing is a valuable way of life. But the problem, however, is we can also share having sat at the other side of the table as the elevator. They can also get it of the things needed to move forward. Everything is the, the lifestyle, the publicity is nice, but it's not forever. And a lot of artists also forget that every artist generally has maybe at their best, at their peak, especially in this area of the world. Maybe a five year stretch in which they are the thing. Now, you have that five year stretch, and that's the maximum stretch, to get all the opportunities you have to leverage for other areas so that your income can stay close to what it is when you are on top. Again, I'll come back to the area now, I'll come back to the structure. Having those areas, that's what they call it, having the, the, the opportunity for artists to become owners also means that you now have formal opportunities for competitions, for things, for seminars. There must be a pathway for the artist to own or pass on what he creates because real money lies in ownership. And that's something I think even offer a, a, a lot in Nigeria, partly because most label owners are usually self-funded. And when you self-fund, you have the problem of dealing with your own competing financial needs. I've been guilty of it. Artists are well, taking out loans on property I had just to fund artists' accommodation videos for a year. And so those conversations must be had because there's also been this perception that after the money, let me go back a bit. The lawyer in me is telling me that I'm making a broad statement. There is also the possible misconception by the artists that the money is what they are entitled to and it is bottomless because if you look at the differences in, in, in income and expectation between artist and label is that some guy who grew up on the streets and comes into an office in VI and is looking at you with your car, then let's understand that you also have your own, as a, as a label owner, you also have your own expenses and that you may have been borrowing. Because as you know in Nigeria, a lot of us package. Packaging costs money. But these conversations almost never take place at the beginning of the relationship. And I think, I think going forward, you need that conversation to take this. This is what we are doing. This is what we are This is how we make our money. This is the plan for you. This is the background we have. Now, to have that conversation requires trust. 
which comes back to the intermediaries you use, must be people that are trusted. Because you have to get the trust of the artist. So when, on the days there's a conflict between the label and the artist, they can come back and say, oh, whoa, well, this guy has never cheated me here, and I knew all this going in. So yeah, you need that trust relationship, you need the opportunity to grow, and then you need things in, in between that also enable the artist and the label to learn and relearn for their mutual benefits. Because labels don't live off one artist. Labels live off catalogs and longevity of their production line. It's a business. It's a business, but it is, it is a human business. So you need to work on the human side as well as the um, business side. Um, in line with, um, first of all, thank you very much. You said a lot of things that I think are very, very, very interesting for this conversation. I hope I made sense, but I can't surround it, so. <laughs> no, come on. Trust me, we're for you. Keep it here. Now, you see a lot of Sorry, I've lost you. I've kind of lost you. Your voice has all gone out. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay. I said, let's look at the current music business structure. These days, you tend to see a lot of artists go DIY. At the forefront of the DIY artist movement is um, artists like Ross. Uh, I'm not going to really say independent because independent, there's independence is not exactly what, it's not what people, what people, with the whole chance of the rapper situation, what people see them think, think when people say independent artist is not what it really is. I don't think there's any artist that's really independent. So I like to use DIY, more like do it yourself. And at the forefront of the do it yourself artist movement right now is Ross. Ross basically, um, since I think 2011 or 2010, he has consistently on his own without the support of any huge labels, at least in the beginning. Now he has support from different people, but in the beginning, he put out, you know, tons of bodies, of tons of um, projects, albums, tapes, EPs, you know, just kept out consistently putting material and building a fan base. And he's at a point in his career where he can make an Instagram post like he did, I think, two weeks or a month ago, where he put out um, um, a screenshot of his um, uh, digital distribution platform, the finance section, and he had made over $2 million on just two singles. And his caption, in his caption, he told us is that he should continue doing what they were doing. And the best part about all this money is that he owns all of it. He's not sharing, he's not splitting it with anybody. He owns, he, he owns the rights of his masters and he's working and everything. So that's where we are now because, um, artists can make money from streaming. Artists can make money from, you know, doing small pop-up shows and selling merchandising in those pop-up shows by just, you know, building up. An artist doesn't necessarily have to have a huge audience, a huge pop audience, but they could basically leverage their niche audience and use it to grow and, you know, run a sustainable business for themselves. So I want to ask, okay. I've asked about the um, structure, the label structure. What is the ideal, what do you think, in line with the current music business structure, is the ideal structure that an independent DIY artist, especially in the beginning stages, that's still trying to build an audience and prove themselves, what do you think is the idea structure that we should be looking to, you know, build around themselves to okay. for success? Okay. Okay. You know, I'm going to sort of like dialogue back to this, this conversation because I think, as I always say, I ramble a bit, I think I'm, I'm going to that place. Let me go back to this. Um, let me just do this because if I digress. There is no such thing really as a feminist independent artist or a, or a DIY artist. 
It was for niche architecture in the industry and start building structure. It's no longer DIY. You rely on other people and start using them. So it's not about just what you pay for. It's about what gets done for you by whom, when, where, and how. And I think it's, I think there's a very big risk that a lot of people look at someone like Ross and only take the story that he has put out because everyone talk, everyone is on, everybody's on Wikipedia. We talk edit. Now you said Ross has been around since, since 2011. He's been active since 2007. Just on his Wikipedia page, which is what I'm looking at right now. Okay. He's been active since 2007. He's put out 14 projects. Now, not all of those projects have been successful. Not all of those projects have been great. What he has ever done, which is what any artist should want to do, within a label or not, and this is the beginning of the conversation, is find an audience, feed them content that defines you and which they grow accustomed to you, for one leading room for you to grow, and maintain that connection with the audience. Because nobody goes to an artist with a good deal if the artist has nothing to offer besides talent. Because when you're sitting down with somebody, anybody, label, manager, any business partner, anybody you're talking to, any relationship in the world, the first thing they ask themselves is, what can this person do for me? What's the benefit? Nobody has friends that they cannot leverage off. But if they do, it's the whole thing, show me, show me your friends, I'll tell you who you are. Now, come back to Ross. What Ross has done is nothing new. There have been artists ever since the beginning of arts who have done what was does. Michelangelo did not just wake up one day and get commissioned for the Sistine Chapel. He built himself by word of mouth by his works. Ooh. There is a general, um, Michelangelo, you think, the famous painter. Okay. Yeah, William Shakespeare. It's, every artist has a hustle story. Even Davido has a hustle story because initially he was doing stuff without his family's backing. So this DIY thing everyone talks about, it's really what every artist is equipped from day one. You are on your own. Even if you have everybody behind you, you are on your own. The slight difference is good. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Because I think the tendency among us to glorify what happens in other countries because you see the end result. A couple of years ago, and I'll see if I find I'll send you the clip. It's an interview with Sora talking about owning your masters. And an artist um, I know put out just that bit. But the first interview was Farrell explaining how he came up. And Farrell has been around for almost 30 years. Farrell wrote a writing in Dumbshake in 1992. So, 94. When I was in university, people don't see the background of all that stuff. People see Timberland. So Timberland was, was writing songs and making beats for Joe Desi in 1995. There is a structure, but the problem is this. With artists, you need to ask yourself, who am I? What do I want? over the next 10 years, put your career into phases, put your breakout, sorry, your introduction phase, when you go, when you go from making music, so you and your boy and the family is dope, to so maybe saying, I want to now, for the next one year, I want to come and show, free of charge or whatever, I need to build my audience. After I've done this, my next step would be to leverage my audience here, if it's in my college or my campus, into my town, if it's my town, into my region. That's what Ross is teaching everybody, what every artist is supposed to do anyway. It's what A&R guys used to do. They go looking for artists who had regional fame, town fame, and then they give them the support needed to expand. Now, for all that Ross is saying right now, the people he's partnering with who are part of this, quote unquote, Moscow, are his investors, they are his label. 
In a wrong is that you have to get people to see value in him. And for that to happen, he had to take a certain approach in terms of his perspective and his communication. When you speak to God, see what he says, he's a very, very intelligent, self-taught guy. He's also sat down and analyzed the industry and has access to assistance, people, and advice. But a lot of artists also, and I saw on this, can I saw on this podcast? Yes, you are. Please. A lot of artists just go, fuck it, I'm part and the shit, people like me, blah, 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 I don't need anybody else. Six years down the line, they are still just the guy in their hood. And they blame the structure. But at the same time, they're not willing to bend to meet what the public wants. And then you now have this cycle of artists not taking in responsibility for their mistakes. The same labels blame the artists on things going You need to be very clear on what you are doing. And so what what is telling you is do it yourself. But every stage, be open to positive and beneficial collaboration. Because I can guarantee that an artist with 5,000 followers in North Carolina, and with 500,000 followers, will not get to an eminent attention for a feature unless that artist moves from that 500 to having the possibility to impact 50,000. That's reality because what is it? Unless eminent knows the guy personally and loves him, or eminent's brother and son. I'm not collaborating with someone because I know the value of my YouTube class. So as a, as a DIY artist, when you are building, you're building steps. And at every phase, there's your introduction phase, there's your attention phase, there's your awareness phase, there's your breakout phase, there's your leveraging phase. You have to sit down and say, what next for me? Because you are not becoming your own label. And labels usually have staff around them with those key positions. So as you become your own label, you need to show your, your label, your structure with the right people. Otherwise, you won't make it. I just, I just reality. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I think this conversation has been 100% insightful. But um, um, if um, the 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 perspective I was coming from is, if you take a look at the um, our our industry and look at what you don't have very we have, don't have we have an, don't have we have an industry. Yeah. We have an industry. We don't have one. Okay, let's agree to disagree. Well, if you take a look at our industry, this is the first time where at the beginning stages of an artist's career, an artist can actually earn money off their craft, like directly earn money off their craft. The simple, the simple pattern of if you put out music, you can distribute this music by yourself. Like you go online, subscribe to platforms like Syncore, CD Baby distribute, <laughs> you distribute this music by yourself on platforms where, you know, people stream. That's wrong. Very. No, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying whether it's wrong or right. I'm just saying that this is wrong. It's not the first time. It's wrong. It's not the first time. It's wrong. Okay. Because in the 80s, two shots were selling cities and chase from, from, from the trunk of his car. He was selling to his market. There are always opportunities for artists to sell to the market and make money. It is the artist's hustle that determines it. That's the, key, that's the key thing I would say is wrong. They've always been independent artists, artists that sell back to the consumer. They've always been authentic channels. Yes. Yeah, let's not say, because, let's not make the mistake of saying, because what technology now things are wholly different. Hold on. Because it's, it, it is dangerous, in my opinion. Okay. Say, um, back in the day when artists were selling their um, CDs off, um, mm-hmm. first and foremost, they had to, you know, you needed some sort of capital to, you know, do some stuff like, you know, print these CDs. For people that do not have that capital, they needed to affiliate with marketers, the, 
you know, the, those um, Alabama marketers. And even after doing all these things, they still have to deal with piracy, which has been like an age-long participation in the music industry. But in today's, and even then, it wasn't, it wasn't, artists were not dealing with as much. It wasn't rampant. There were just very few. That's not true. Again, it was the little not true. It wasn't. It's not true. Two shots got, got a deal because he was selling 50 to 100,000 copies in the Bay Area hand to hand. Again, I like, I don't like generalization. Artists, like, one of my biggest issues with the nation is that we see a story and we jump on it. Alaba existed because there was a need for Alaba because there was content out that was being sold and marketers started dealing with artists directly to sell their products because there was a market. Before then, in the other countries, they were hand to hand, it always had these platforms. What, what is different now, however, is that artists are a bit more aware of them because of social media. And I don't, it's always had this pattern. Most artists get time. But Master P's deal was because he was doing that stuff and making numbers. Point exactly. And that's a partner we're going to distribute. Point exactly. Yeah. Artists are more, artists do that stuff more these days because the platforms are now, the platforms for, the platforms for such kind of feats to be achieved are now at our doorstep. I can just open my laptop. I can record an album in my studio, open my laptop, Upload the album. It's going to be on every music streaming platform out there. And if people, for the, for the audience that you have and the that enjoy your music, if you stream it, you can definitely money off the craft. That's what I mean. So, in line with that, there's a lot of artists who follow this kind of structure internationally and locally. Now, if there's this, this, there are so many artists these days. People say this a lot, but there are so many artists these days. Almost everybody, like, almost everybody can make music these days because making music is easy. It's never been so easy to make music. Recording a recording is like, okay. So, there's, there's, there's static on your end, sorry. There's a back and forth static. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I said, I can hear you now, yeah. I said, this is the easiest time in the history of music okay. that it's been, that, that, this is the easiest time to make music because if you think about it, Recording equipment. Cheaper to make. Yes, cheaper to make. You know, now there are USB microphones that have the same quality. Okay, there's um USB um, microphones that are you know affordable on Amazon that still give the same sound quality as if you're recording with you know a top-notch microphone. You know, there's um, laptops that are cheaper to buy. Um, digital workstations like the like of FL, TV. Logic, all these things are easier. There's tutorials all over YouTube on how to create music on that professional level. So this is the first time that music has been this cheap to make and easy to distribute. So you see a lot more artists distributing their music by themselves, growing their audience by themselves. And which mm -hmm. begs, which begs the question. In line with what um um a label structure is, I'm asking. What do you think is the best structure that that an artist can follow? An artist on that level where they're doing stuff by themselves because they cannot wait for not that they cannot wait for other people to do it for them, but because it's pointless, you know, it's inefficient to wait for other people to do stuff that you can do for yourself. What do you think is a good structure that they should be aiming for to guarantee at least success at that level before they move up to the next level? Okay. Um in any order, the artist, the artist needs a competent manager. A manager, okay. A competent manager whose opinion he trusts with regards to manager's duties. Trust, all right. A competent business development plus marketing person. Okay. 
a good lawyer. Alright. And an accountant. An accountant. Okay. And, this, and, this, and this is why. You made a, you made a comment and as, as a counter when I kept right. It has never been easier for artists to make music. Yes. It also has never been more difficult for artists to sell because now everybody has alternatives. The same technology allowing an artist to make a song again and put that level allows me to listen to music across 300 or so countries. It's a gift, it's a gift and a purse. So, this is why I always say, the artist should be very careful. But I keep on going back to the same things, whether label or not, because the brain thing, what you're saying is that, again, people think they need the artist for, sorry, they the artist need the label for money and things they can do themselves. You need a structure. That's why you go to a label because as an artist, your key, your key focus is on making the best art you can. As much as possible, you don't want anything to dilute that. However, as we all know, you could be the best singer in the world. If you go up tomorrow morning and you, and you want to sell 5 million copies or 5 million streams of your new single, and you release something like, um, a slow song about death in, a, in a, an environment that only wants to get positive music. You need marketing tactics on how to sell it, how to it, how to put a story around it. It's not about the music alone. It's never been about the music alone. So, again, any artist that wants to bring you, number one, see himself or herself as the label head and chief um, commercial or marketing officer and put those people around them. Because at every step of the way, you need people that will say, just do you, bring it back to us, let's have the conversation. Your manager should, have, should be able to have industry relations. So if you need to get your music to that popular DJ, that popular playlist, because people still perceive a lot of music in traditional formats. I don't care how much you're streaming. In your environment, you can Lagos. As a, as, a, as, a, as a new artist, and you're streaming in New York, but nobody knows you in Lagos, you have a problem. You have to get across to the market, so you also need access to gatekeepers, you need access to, you know, to certain doors. How do your team doors for you? I, I keep on saying this because an argument that keeps coming across is well, it's easier now, there's technology and blah, 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 so it's cheaper. Yes, it's cheaper. It's not easier. You still need to, need. nobody in New York, in one village, is going to get one spend money flying down to see you after reaching out to you and blah, blah, blah. Unless there's evidence that you put in a degree of work to make their own work easier. So put your, put your manager, your lawyer, your, your, your because anything they're doing as far as your distribution deals, you need to know that they are good for you. And most artists are not legally sound. Understand your tax implication. That's why you're an accountant and cash auditor. As money comes in, you saw as money comes in, what, what stays in? So that you don't basically make five million bucks or half five million streams down and end up making 100,000. There was a tweet recently by Mr. Easy last month where he called all the streams he had and said, I haven't made even 10 million dollars from this. That's one of the biggest artists we have. That, that tweet was very instructive. He's one of the biggest artists around. He was streaming anyhow. But again, there is money, there's a sharing formula to streaming, which is similar to royalty payment. And if you don't consistently hit certain amounts and you have costs beyond what you are making, you lose money. So your lawyer helps you with that. 
your your lawyer helps you negotiate the best deal for you. Your auditor and accountant helps you keep the best money, and your manager should be smart enough to be able to work with both your lawyer, your publicist, and your accountant to give you the advice best for you out of all of those external factors. That's a minimum for any artist. Now the problem you're gonna have is that most artists just starting out don't have sufficient education or awareness or have people around them who can who can help with these issues. And that's what leads to the whole idea of now taking a risk and going to a quote unquote label or an investor. But none of these things are problems if at the beginning the artist just one thing, one one thing, ask themselves honestly what defines success for them. What is required to achieve that success within a time frame? And are they willing to take those um, risks for that reward? Because one of the biggest ones, when I say we have an industry right now, we laugh. We have the makings of an industry, but the infrastructure is in there. We don't have, for example, as I think in most countries, a proper touring and booking section for artists to make money or perform anything, really. We don't really have an effective copyright, um, um, IP rights um, infrastructure. So you can make money. How do you really leverage your money in your biggest markets? There's no real protection there. Okay. Um, Johanna, thank you so much for this conversation. I must, I want to add that conversing with you is always very, very, it's always very, very intense because it's like a staring in the mirror section. You legit, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't dilute the truth at all. You always give us the hard pill to swallow. And I think at different points in our careers and lives generally, we need that. So thank you very much for not, you know, doing some work. No problem. Hope I've been useful. Yes, you're always, like I told you, you're, you're like Novajin, like Panador, drank raw. Wow. Dita, I love no, Wait, hold on. So, when they, so you have a headache and you call me. I, <laughs> when they said the truth is Dita, it was you there talking about. But it's all good. We need the Dita truth every now and then. Thank you so much. And right. personally, no I, problem. Think I, have, I think I, like this conversation has really uplifted me. It has given me a lot of things to look out for. I mean, a lot of lapses um, that I know I need to cover up and I'm going to definitely tackle head on. And I hope that for every other artist that's listening and every other label and manager and you know people that are listening, I hope they too you know go back and look at their team and reinforce what needs to be reinforced. I appreciate you. Thank you for this call. Let me just say one thing before you cut out. Okay. Just to be clear, all I've said is my take, my imperfect take on track. It is not that you all end up as I said. Yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm not an expert in the industry. Uh, I just. But I love music, I love art, and I can't wait for our industry to become an industry because then, as Bonaboy said once, we won't have to always feel like we need to look outside our shores for validation and for financing. The sooner we get things together and put all these structures and incorporate more trust between the corporate world and the artistic world, the better for all of us. Art really is life. So again, Bazini, thank you very much for having me on this show. Um, as always, as always, you are doing big things, and I wish you the best. Thank you. And only a bottle of something next time we have a communication. This, 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 this phone system is not working for me. I apologize. Don't worry. Next time, you're still going to be on this podcast for other episodes. There's still other episodes that you have knowledge to share with us. So hopefully, by that time, we're going to drink something strong.
Okay. Come on. 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 Come on.